change is a violation of what we expected to happen. And the choice in response, I think, is why, is a part of why fear and change are so, so connected. Question. All right, we're talking about change. Here it is. What is one thing that if somebody would to suggest being changed, you would give like a hardcore, like, mm-mm, not happening? I honestly can't think of one. Like, all the things I think are really deep. And Greg, you told me to be superficial with this one. So he said like to that. be light, not superficial. That's, a, that's not the same thing. Oh, okay, light, light. Um, if somebody told me I couldn't have dogs, mm. right? Like, I'd be like, really? We got a lot, have a lot more conversation about that. Mm-hmm. There is no way you are allowed anywhere near me if you have a razor and you threaten to shave off my sideburns. <laughs> you know, I didn't notice those until we were on site together. Oh those gosh. have been there since <laughs> 1997. And yes, friends, that's when I was in middle school. Greg. Am I? I had to have the same conversation with my husband at some point. Not going away. And I was like, Matthew, I love you. And I need the sideburns to go. I didn't realize how epic they were till we were um, on site together. Yeah. Because we usually are looking at you straight on and not from the side. And then when we were in Oklahoma together, they are noticeable. They were real. They started really because another thing you may not notice if you see me from the front is the size of my ears. They're pretty, pretty large and in charge. And so it re- the sideburns started oh as gosh. a way to hide my insecurity when I was a kid. Thankfully, I was able to grow sideburns pretty young. <laughs> so we'll talk about okay. that later. We'll unpack that later. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'll go with my first, my first thought, which was live with other people. Like that's a, it's a no, it's a hard no. I think if people wrote, somebody was like, you can't ever hear music again. That's, 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 I know. I appreciate that. And I recognize yeah. that, but that's still like, yeah. that sounds really sad. That's sad. I know. That's like I said, I have a hard, I have a hard time with levity sometimes. I'm, I'm, I apologize. So can I ask a different question that might be levity? Mm-hmm. What is the change to a product that you loved? That happened that you were like, no, I don't want that product mm. to change. Mm. Oh, geez. New Coke. I hated New Coke. New Coke. Like I am a Coca-Cola person. Everybody who's eaten out at a restaurant with me knows that if they don't have Coke, um, if they have, if they serve that other major soft drink, I'll order iced tea. <laughs> I hated New Coke. We just lost a sponsor now, Stacy. What? We just lost our sponsor. But we gained right Coke. There. Look. <laughs> no, I said that other one. I didn't say the other major sponsor. But, right. But, like, so I hated New Coke. Anybody else have anything that's, like, a product thing? Like, this change that's a good about one. this product was awful. Mm. Sometimes I, like, sometimes Matthew and I will be talking and I'll be like, oh, man, we sound like old people. Because we're, like, grumpy about things changing. Mm. And we were watching TV last night. And the way, like... One of the streaming services is doing commercials where they like have QR codes and like so fancy, like you're in a hotel room. Mm. And I'm like, 
I don't know why I don't like it. Like I'm a marketing person. Like I do marketing for Learning Forte and I understand the technological advances and video editing techniques that like allow this to happen. But I also don't like it. I have one. Oh, I have one. So my, my TV, it's not, it's not super smart, but it's got a brain. Um, and it definitely is thinking. And so before, when you turn the TV on, um, like all the apps load and whatever, and it's normal. And now when you turn the TV on, it automatically tabs up to show you like Amazon commercials. And I, I am the rage that builds up from my very core being of like, how dare you? I turn you on. How dare you make noise at me? I've not consented to this choice. Yes. I- <laughs> yes. I feel you a hundred percent. So notice how Sarah and Nia and mine are all related to technology. <laughs> Stacey's like, this solid, actual, real being product <laughs> is what I don't like. Mine is... I, I am the oldest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that I'm seeing that reflected in our conversation. Uh. Um, mine is now that streaming services, particularly one in a red envelope, even if you, for seconds hover over a thing and automatically plays the trailer Mm. i'm like i am just flipping past like i am not invest like i just want to read what the thing is i don't want to see a scene from it maybe my kids are in the room no thank you especially when it's tvma yes that's what i'm saying and my children are in the room yeah Yeah, i just want to read about i want to read what the rating is i don't want to i don't want it go ahead greg (laughs) When I was a kid, I remember uh, this particular product, the No Fear shirts. Remember those? Anyone on this screen remember the No Fear brand? Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah. It was very expensive. Thought, it was too expensive for our household, but I probably only had one. I of them. was around it. I forgot that you couldn't like hear me nodding. Yes, I remember them. <laughs> yeah, there was this brand called No Fear, and it was just like No Fear and all kinds. I mean, it was for sports. It was for music. It was for like truisms and cliche statements. I mean, it was, it was all over the thing, and I, <laughs> I'm convinced that it was toxic masculinity marketed to kids. Like, don't be afraid. Be tough. Um, a little bit of a machismo complex there that made it feel like fear was the enemy to success and strength. Um, true story. When we were titling this episode here, where it says no fear and other terrible tropes in times of change, uh, I did uh, my extensive research again. Google. As Stacy has learned is google in 20 seconds or less and i found out the true story that in 2011 they filed for bankruptcy they had no fear and just kept going they apparently should have feared finances and maybe a little stability in that oh, sense oh, um, but it's, it's all right they got bought are you looking it up? No, I just. I, Are you looking it up? No, when you when you said apparently they should have feared finances. That damn. Oh yes. <laughs> no, that'll, that'll go a long way. Yeah, but uh, it, they got bought out by a UK company, uh, and so that lives on there across the pond. Oh. Um, right. So, uh, but when you hear the trope, no fear, what comes to mind? 
Okay. So we talked about in the last episode how I have a word that I lean into. And in 2015, my my word, it was the year of no fear. Okay. Oh, okay. So what that meant was I was not going to miss out on opportunities and things because of fear. Mm. So in that year, I started um, selling, doing some at-home selling products. Um, I started leading retreats. I volunteered for an entire week for the Avon Walk for Breast Cancer. I I was asked to be a faculty member for a certificate of children and youth. And every opportunity that came up, I ran it through the filter. Would I say no to this solely based on fear? And if the answer was yes, I did it. Because fear is my main emotion that happens in my body all the time. I am constantly, that is my main guide and how I, how I move through the world. Mm -hmm. So that year, particularly, uh, Caleb was two years old. My oldest was two years old. And I decided I was going to have a year of no fear. Like between those two, like there's this balance here, right? These polarities to be managed. Um, Extremes, like no fear of saying you can't have any fear and you can't express any fear is one extreme that's not healthy. And to be paralyzed by fear on the other end is not helpful. And I think it brings it to me um, when I was doing my certification training for Brene Brown's Daring Way work. And as I've worked with that, it became really clear to me that um, the thing I had to let go of was this idea that you were either brave or afraid. Where what I learned is that those two things we hold Mm -hmm. in tension with each other. And usually every time that we are brave, we are also afraid. And when we're, when we're fearful, Bravery is um, the way that we step out. Mm-hmm. There's a great, I guess you call her an influencer. I don't know. I don't know if any of you follow Elise Myers yeah. on mm-hmm. Instagram. And she has this great phrase. She really leaned into the Nike, just do it. But hers is like, just do it afraid. Just do yeah. it afraid. And that's kind of that leaning into you're not, don't do it because of fear. Fear is fine. Fear is a natural response that our body has when we were trying to live in caves and survive. And don't not do a thing that's going to help you grow as a person because of fear. If you are physically, emotionally safe, choose a different reason to not do it besides fear. Okay, so I want to know, I want to know if you are fight, flight, or freeze. What's your fear reaction? Hey, can we guess this for each other? Just sounds funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> we take votes. Oh yeah, votes. Okay, so, okay. So what do we think Nia is? Freeze. Nia is freeze. Because you reflect on everything. Is that right? Do do should I reveal? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah reveal. Yeah. We'll do each other one at a time. So my response is a fight, actually. <laughs> what? I li- listen to me so carefully when I tell you this. I'm ready to fight anybody in anything at any given time. You best believe all this silent processing. I'm ready to fight you. So you've been trained to not fight. 
Like society's like trained you to like outwardly present as I'm not going to fight, but inside you're like, mm-hmm. let me take you on. Yeah. And we, that could be a whole episode in and of itself. I shan't speak on it here, but like, yes, at any given time. And also being like an oldest sister of younger sisters, I just am like always ready. But the things we are learning in this podcast. Interesting. <laughs> I feel I feel like uh, I have Eye of the Tiger playing in my head. Right now. Yeah. All right. What about Stacy? What do we think? <laughs> fight, fight. This is like, yeah. is there any, any even any question? Mm. Like, no, sorry. Yeah, fight, fight. fight. Especially on behalf of somebody else. I'm less likely mm-hmm. to fight on yeah. behalf of myself, but like somebody gets in front of somebody else, and I'm like, bring it on. Is that a fear response if it's about somebody else? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I think that. Like, I don't know. I think so, though. Okay. I think it could be. Mm. Like a, like in an emergency management situation. Yeah. Okay. I'm still going to fight. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is one I don't know for sure. Sarah, what do we think? I think I think Sarah's flight. Greg I, is shaking his head. He's forgetting that we're on podcast. <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> I feel torn between, between fight and flight. I think I lean more towards fight. I fl- flight. I've... I mean, I've like run this scenarios through my head. Like, what would I do if someone came into my house, like threatening my family or my own survival? I feel like it's fight. Like, I feel like I would take them on. But I like I also am open to the fact that like outside observations of me are also, you know, important. So. (laughs) Okay. All right. What about. What about Greg? Mm. My 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 heart says brief freeze, but I don't know what's after. Yeah, it's so hard because like all of us have done work. And so I keep thinking like I've known all of you to like engage in ways when things were hard or you were afraid of conversations. But it's like I'm thinking like what have we learned mm-hmm. versus what is our natural instinct? I think yeah, I-, I guess I'm more talking about like your natural. Yeah. Yeah, like your first in- gut instincts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Fr- free. I think it's a flight, but I'm I think not it's sure. freeze or flight. Negotiate. <laughs> okay, but that's not a biological <laughs> fear response. <laughs> Negotiate. <laughs> it's 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 definitely flight. Uh-huh. Um, the first 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 uh, reference to the Enneagram in season two uh, as a three uh, in times of stress, I go to the nine, which means like I shut her down. I'm out. Like um, if somebody were to come into my house, I would take the kids and run like the house is on fire. I'm not interested in engaging in a, in a battle. I'm too insecure about winning that thing. <laughs> so um, I'm out. <laughs> And when conflict comes, a lot of times my first response is to just like go off screen uh, or to just be avoidant. Mm. Um, and then I'll get my wits together and then I'll make it known. But my first reaction is is mm-hmm. flight. All right, Hannah. Flight. I feel like fighter. Fight. She's a fighter. She is a fighter. Yep. Flight always. 100% of the time. Oh. Like, if there is something that I think that is going to upset me in any way, my first instinct is like, mm, outskis. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, I have had, which is so funny because, like, Stacy as my boss thinks it's fight. It's <laughs> so funny. That means you've done a lot of work to, like, overcome the fear response. I've done a lot right. of work. Right. Yeah. That's right. But yeah, always avoidance. 
The reason that I asked that was because, like, uh, one of my daughters, like, literally, well, they've both been known to do this, but, like, we have, we tend to, like, jump out and scare each other in our house. (laughs) I'm not coming to visit you. (laughs) And, like, she will, the little one, she will literally, like, freeze and fall down on the floor. Just like Like a possum. (laughs) one of those sleeping goats exactly like a fainting goat just like hit the deck that's that's awesome that's awesome but sarah this is the same kid that has auditioned and auditioned and auditioned and auditioned Mm -hmm. and so like there's a different response to that jump out and scare me right away versus fate versus put something in front of me that is a challenge. Yes. So I think yes. that's an interesting, like dig into about what's the difference between unexpected fear coming out you and a challenge or a change that you see coming. Yeah. Yes. You know what that brings up for me, Stacey is as, as all of you know, so well, I am constantly asking for like, hey, if we're going to talk about this, can I have it in advance so that I can think about it? Hey, if we're going to talk about this, can I go last so I can think about it? Like I've, I've really established the, the processing time that I need in order to engage well. And you saying that made me, um, I don't know if I maybe have just realized this, but my, that, request that need is out of the fact that if I let myself react with fight, it's all interconnected. I often am afraid that I'm going to be too mean about something. I'm going to ask things without compassionate honesty. I'm not going to be curious. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. every, every second that I can give myself to mitigate a response of, of, avoiding fear because I often I admit that I have a lot of fear with things that are not just new but like new and I have to react to it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all the space that I ask for is like so that I don't oh I'm afraid I'm gonna literally be mean to your face me too I'm the same way yeah like I will just resist that (laughs) yeah tooth and nail Whenever we talk about change, it, it kind of feels like we have to talk about fear a little bit because when we talk about the uh, the, the question that you raised, Sarah, fight, flight, or freeze, um, those responses are to some sort of change. If your daughter's walking down the hallway, she's assuming she's going to get from point A to point B mm-hmm. without interruption. But when her mom jumps out of the closet and scares the crap out of her, that is a real time change that she was not expecting and probably yeah, didn't even really sure. want. Um, and so her response to that change is boom. Uh, but, you, but there isn't, it's, it's not that the fight, fight or flight reaction, um, any of them are actually minimizing or dismissing fear. They're just different responses to the change mm-hmm. and navigation through the fear um but so the question that i have for you is why do you think change and fear go together i have come to kind of understand fear as you know when when our expectations are violated 
there are responses that we can choose to work through or not work through. And change is, Greg, like you said, change is. Change is a violation of what we expected to happen. And like, they, they are so interconnected because we have to choose and prioritize, okay, which of our comforts are, are we going to lean into? Which of our comforts are we going to let go of? Mm-hmm. Um, and the choice in response, I think, is why, is a part of why fear and change are so, so connected. Yeah, I think when we feel like our, our safety is potentially being violated, like our, our safety is in, is being threatened, that's maybe when that fear response comes in. So if there's a change that's unexpected, maybe there's a, a feeling that your status quo, aka your container, your, your safety is in some way going to, to change, be different. As a six on the Enneagram, my fear is what helps me deal with change. So I Mm. am afraid all the time, all the time. Right. And but because of how I interact in the world, I am I am constantly thinking about all the possibilities that could happen and how I would deal with them. (laughs) Right. So I'm ready for change because I have already thought through all the possibilities that I can think of and how I'm going to mitigate them and how I'm going to move forward. So it's my my innate fear that helps me deal with change as opposed to moving through the world the, uh, the doing it in the opposite direction when change comes then i'm afraid of so it so you're just afraid but you're not afraid of change no i'm not afraid of change mm-hmm. i'm afraid of you know moving through the world all the things right anything that threatens safety anything that threatens loyalty anything like that right. but because of that i am constantly thinking of all the possibilities that could happen and preparing for them and like settling myself in them. And then when one of those things happen, mm-hmm. then I just move through it. I'm not afraid of that change because I've already figured out what I'm going to do. Like you could imagine what it will feel like if, if scenario A happens. Yep. And so like you're preparing your body or your mind. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I can't. That is not. Nia knows. Nia, <laughs> Nia's a like six. Him. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I was on a walk uh, the other day with my spouse um, and we were talking about the very difference of that when it came to just walking through our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, let's just walk the neighborhood. And she's like, but it's cold, but it's dark, but it's this, but it's that we got to use a sidewalk. We got And I'm like, why don't we just walk? And like she had already thought through Mm -hmm. like all of the things to anticipate (laughs) on the whole conversation. Now, there's also layers of my own privilege that can prevent me from asking those questions, too. Um, But there was something interesting about that. Just going on a walk in our neighborhood and the differences between the two of us, um, like what you're saying, Hannah, like resonates with some of those experiences. Greg, I am so glad you used the word privilege because I've been sitting here thinking about where to throw this into the conversation mm-hmm. and that like um, people hear our voices and they may not know like what privilege or what challenges we all carry with us in navigating some of this. But I'm really aware that like the amount of choice you have and how you respond to change has a lot to do with 
how much permission you've given been given in society to control the change that happens or doesn't happen, how much, how many resources you've had, how much, 100%. how many, um, you know, like just perspectives you have. And so, you know, it, we will probably much later in our podcast, get into some of the intersectionality that represents and is present in all of our lives. But, um, you know, I'm just aware that it happens in different parts of our lives. Like as the CEO at Learning Forte, I have a fair amount of control about how we as an organization respond to change. As the, you know, like middle of 17 first cousins in a pretty patriarchal perspective society um, in rural Oklahoma, um, and, you know, in a society that still defines people that are members of tribes differently. Um, I don't have a lot. I didn't have a lot of response as a kid or a lot of control as a kid. And so I just want to sort of say that, like, it's not just like who has the ability to choose how they respond to change. It's how each one of us have that ability in different parts of our lives. I love that you're bringing this in there because um, fear is being a part of change is not a sign of weakness. It can be a sign of like of dismissal and loss of agency. Mm-hmm. I've heard that before too. Well, it can be a sign of being smart that too. because you're actually paying attention 100%. to the contextual realities around you. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder like what's helped you guys learn these other ways of responding to fear or what's been the piece that led you to have such a different response than maybe is your natural one. Well, I had to learn to have a different response because I have to leave my house. <sighs> I have to leave my house and be a contributing member of society. And that is a value of mine. And I also have other people who are depending on me. I have this team who's depending on me in certain ways. I have my family who is depending on me. And so moving through change, it's not non-fearful, but it is alongside fear. Moving through change alongside fear is something that I have just I've ha- I haven't had a choice that I have had to learn to do. But what's really important to me is teaching my children that how I associate fear and change and how I deal with it, I don't want to push that onto them because they have a very different relationship with change and fear than I do. Mm-hmm. And so seeking out and talking to other people and how they address change and fear so that I can provide those other options and examples to them even if providing those examples of how i would providing examples of other ways to do it even though it's not actually helping me but still being an example to them on how they might move through it one of the things that i've really worked on uh, with the help of an excellent therapist is uh re like naming the stories that were in my brain that caused me to operate from a place of fear. Um, narratives, societal narratives, personal narratives, family narratives, what have mm-hmm. you, you know, and just like knowing that, yes, they're true in that, like, I've internalized them, but like, I don't have to let that be the thing that um, is the impetus for my actions. Yeah, I think that I think I learned that if if I let myself fight all the time, 
then nobody knew what was most important to me. Mm-hmm. Because if, if my response was always fight, then I didn't save that response for what was most important to me. Mm. For me, one of the greatest things that I have learned um, to navigate fear amidst change is um, mirroring what people do around me. Mm. Uh, Because like Hannah, I also have to leave. I would, I would not leave my house if I didn't do what I see other people doing, to be honest. Um, There have been periods where I have not left my house and I, um, I have been wondering for a while if one of my values is observance Mm. um one of the first things i ever understood about how people viewed me as a person when i was a kid was that everybody always said that i was so observant and um i'm so deeply invested in like watching the worldly experience around me that like okay if i want to get out there and see what other people are doing and see what other you know parks look like and whatever i have to do what other people do which is go out and do that and see the world (laughs) and see the world i love it i think um when you flee an experience you lose your influence Mm, that's powerful i think the same is true when you fight it um, sometimes when you're too aggressive, if you speak too hard of a truth, your influence won't be received well. Mm, that's so true. But again, I say that as a white cisgender, straight, heteronormative, every layer of privilege male. And I know sometimes you have to fight and you don't give to what the repercussions are because you don't have a choice other than to fight. Mm. Um, so I, I've recognized that sometimes like as a result of that, I'm not the one to fight. Like I'm not the one that should fight. Um, because I can, if I do, um, I could, I could impact the movement in a negative way. Um, so that's where I think sometimes I need to freeze. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of instances of that. Um, I know that sometimes my social media presidents, the temptation is to speak of issues as a part of picking up the fight, but it can have the opposite implications if I do. Um, so like, there's just so many choices that I have to make related to that. Greg, it's one of the things I value the most about you is like your awareness of that. But yet I've also seen when people have needed somebody to come alongside them and fight alongside them and give them the energy. I've seen you do that and really be willing to risk yourself in that. And so I just really value that piece about how you're both name and aware of all of those pieces, but also how you're willing to take a cue from somebody else. And when they do need that, do it with them.
let's let's get into the leadership piece. Let's let's talk a little bit about. I mean, because really, when it comes down to it, live, learn, repeat is about us as individuals. But we're not here to offer you like a, some sort of like pop approach to like your self care. We want to make sure that we're we're approaching like your um, your real leverage in terms of who you are and your leadership context as well, because we're all leading somewhere. Um, and so, wondering. When you think about your your context of leadership and the alternative approach to fear, what have been some things you've leaned on? Uh, how have you not suppressed fear, but actually just led and moved through it? I would be to name it. Yeah, there's no shame in name, in naming your fear. And I have found as a leader, as a leader of a family, as a leader in my community, as a leader on this team is that you can name a fear and not it let ta- let it take over. Mm-hmm. I would go so far as to say, I think you can't stop it from taking over until you name it. Mm. Ooh, yeah, that's better. Mm-hmm. Acknowledging it. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's like bringing it from the dark to the light. And it's like, I mean, like it suddenly it does. As soon as you name it, it seems to not have as much power. It loses mm-hmm. its power when you speak it or you embody it. Yeah. Like it, I have to breathe. I have to take a breath sometimes when I remember <laughs> that seems to help me in my areas where I'm leading. And the other thing is, even when you name it, you don't have to have a solution for it at that moment. Absolutely. That's okay. Or not, or, or feel like you have to wait to name it until you have a solution. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, trap that people get into that is like that is that gives a a face to exactly what i was trying to think about which is that um like what uh one of the practices that i got used to doing in college when i was um i was directing an acapella group and it was like it was both new to everybody being in an acapella group but it was also the first all women acapella group that the school had had. Cool. Um, very cool. And I was like the first, and what do you need for an acapella group? You need music. And I was responsible for all this music. And we entered so many things with fear, particularly because my college had, it had, um, a, like any gender acapella group and it had an all men acapella group for years and years and years. And it had not had one that was just women. So we would like follow up in these spaces, usually just following behind a group of all dudes who was like love or whatever. And one of the things that I got super used to doing was just telling my group, good job, you did well. And I really tried to, that was both for myself and them, because as I've talked about before, I really struggle with the like the constant uplifting of like, oh, you're, you can always do it. And you're always so strong. No matter how we have done a thing, whether it sucked or it was wonderful, you did well. Or just you did it. You did it. You did it. You did it. Gosh, darn it. And like the acknowledgement of that uh, has been a really useful leadership piece for me. What you're referring to, I mean, Last season and this season, there's been a consistent reference to safety. 
Um, and, and I think of Adrienne Marie Brown a lot. Um, and I've referenced her many times. Um, and she talks about the mark of a healthy leader is one who is in the midst of change is able to ease the angst. Like that, that's the easement is sometimes the mark of the most healthy leader, not just getting to the goal. If you get to the goal, but you've steamrolled your team mm-hmm. or dismissed their, their, their fears, the goal actually probably no longer even matters so much <laughs> because the collateral damage is huge. So I love what, what she talks about, about a mark of a leader again is about easing the angst um, of your communities as you move through it. Um, and so it's about creating safety and trust as you go through that. And I think what you just named all of you is a, a, a way to create safety is to name the fear and say, it's okay to validate it. Greg, I'm thinking about like people who are so um, adamant that our effort to create safety is you know, not something that we should do or, you know, so dismissive of that idea. Um, but I just heard like a real difference between lowering the angst or easing the angst and respecting your team and cr- creating an increased amount of safety doesn't mean that it's completely safe. There's still going to be risk. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. There's still risk associated with it. And there's still, so I was just thinking about like, how sometimes like safe spaces or that I, that conversation about safety sometimes gets a bad rap today in today's political conversation. But yet what you were just talking about, which is lowering the angst is so important because if we don't do that, then we can't move forward. I have transformed my vocabulary in that instead of safe space, I say brave space. Mm, Yeah. Hey, I love that transition. There's a great poem about it. And unlike Greg, I cannot just out of my brain who it's by, (laughs) but it is a great poem. If you look it up and Google Brave Space poem, I'm sure it will get up. And that this relates to what Greg said, because it's about easement, not elimination. Easement of angst, not elimination of angst. So instead of trying and what I look at that, instead of suppressing the anxiety, you raise the team and their bravery. So that perhaps they're they're more brave and that counteracts the anxiety. Yeah, that poem by Mickey Scott Bay Jones is fantastic. Um, it goes something like this. It goes together. <laughs> we will create brave space because there's no such thing as a safe you space. Just oh you just Googled that. You just Googled that. I am very focused here, so I don't have my Google up. But yeah. <laughs> You totally just Googled that. But you know what? I'm going to let you have it, Mr. Poetry. I, you should be proud of me that I just pulled that out of the air. I think I've met. I've I've been in a live podcast recording with her before. I, when I wasn't speaking, I was witnessing awesome. it, but she was great. With this author? Mickey Scott Bay Jones. Yeah. Well, look at you, hotshot. I actually don't know their pronouns. I should not assume. I don't want to assume. There I go, shitting all over myself. <laughs> Did you say shitting or shitting? <laughs> shitting. <laughs> Okay, okay. Just to clarify. We can put it in our show notes. It's great. I highly recommend. It is a great poem a great that I just had just memorized. now are acquainted with it. <laughs> but I love that idea and what that from listening to all of you guys that like the piece of the leader is to name that fear so that name whatever fear is out there so that it doesn't have undue power or control and to mm-hmm. help your team be brave in the ways that they need to, to respond to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, go, 
for me, it all goes back. How are we going to be simultaneously, allow ourselves to simultaneously be brave and afraid? for this episode, I remember Sarah and I talking a little bit about how when we think about change and navigating through it, um, one of the lines that a lot of folks have have mentioned in some popular writings and books, so I won't just name one person, but uh, is that people in the midst of change, they're not fearing the change, they're actually fearing the loss. They're losing something. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and that is a huge thing for leaders to remember. And right. again, that's not um, a phrase that I'm claiming. It's one that leaders so many different places. But every every time you say it, everybody does exactly what you just said, did. Everybody lets out a verbal. Oh, yeah. Like that. Like the, that what are you afraid of? Well, I'm afraid of losing something. Yeah, exactly. And what's the loss? Like to inquire and ask questions and the why behind the, the question behind the question. That's also another book that. I've done in some leadership. Yeah. And so you should be enter into curious engagement. Yes. You're asking those <laughs> questions. Do you like that? Which which Stacy and Hannah and I had a real time experience with this um, over last week. We were having conversations about some of the models for leading um, and how do we distribute them um, to folks. And we were talking about it and, so, and we were various places about, do we offer them for free or do we sell them and things like that. And I remember the person that we were talking to, who's actually a coach asked that very question. What are you afraid of in offering them in this way? Mm-hmm. And we had to answer that kind of question because it was a shift. It's a shift in our approach to getting our stuff out there. And we had to name those fears that were that were there for all of us so that we could say, oh, we can lead in the midst of this change or function as a company um, in this new kind of way because we can address those fears that we had initially and move through them. Yep, It was really interesting. So that said, what is the fear you once faced, uh, acknowledged in the midst of a particular change, and what allowed you to lead through it? So I am in, we're, again, we're recording this in December, okay? I'm in the middle of a huge change and a huge shift in my life. I live in Georgia, but as of Sunday, I will be living in New York City, <laughs> and I didn't think about myself as leading through this change until this moment when you asked that question, Greg. Mm. But in many ways, I have I have been the one leading my family through this change. And um, my daughter's going to be on Broadway, which is an incredible opportunity. And I've known that like there's so many fears, and there are four people in my immediate family, and we all have some of the same fears and some of different fears. Mm -hmm. And I really think that what has allowed me to lead through this change is like the belief, the faith, the hope that like, even when things are hard or loss is experienced, like beauty can be found and fulfillment and purpose. Mm. All the things that I long for out of the human experience are possible. Sarah, that's awesome. I um, found myself recently telling the story, but like learning Forte comes out of a fear that I like a named fear that living in rural Virginia 
because of where my spouse needed us to be geographically would mean that I was irrelevant um, as a leader in the areas of, you know, organizational change and educational technology and all that. And so like, but until I sort of named that, that fear of irrelevance that I associated with my geographic location, I couldn't start to think about other ways to get out of that. And, you know, learning Forte came out of that. I mean, it is the um, constraint to creativity story. All right. Well then rapid fire. And then there's kitsch. If you were to redesign that t-shirt logo, no fear. What is your two word phrase? Be brave. I would like to add several two word phrases. I think under no f- so front and back. Okay, perf, perf, perf. <laughs> um, I think I would. I think I would add to it, like no, no fear, no humanity, no progress, no, no change. Like I would add many other things to that. I want to get a T-shirt that has Elise Myers' phrase on it. That is, do it scared. Just do it scared. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I say be resilient. Mm, that's a good one. Alright, so we got Kitsch. What's your Kitsch? That especially reminds you of said resilience in the face of fear. So I have a piece of art. I think it qualifies as Kitsch, but it's actually a piece of original beautiful art that was done. Um, but it hangs over my desk and it's um, two joke uh, jokers, the jester. It's a jester. That's what it is. So it's like, um, and it's, it has the quote has the William Blake quote on it. It says the fool who persists in his folly will become wise. I actually have from, from the acapella group, this little, and for Nia, that has um, all of the names of the the group from when mm. I was a senior. Um, and I have considered so many times like tossing this because I don't like having a ton of belongings. And so I was like, oh, do I need this? But I kind of do need it to remind myself of, of all of the fear and all of the perseverance through it. That's awesome. Hannah, are you like going in your cabinet? Well, I was. I was gonna show. <laughs> I was gonna show it, but then I I didn't bring it because you're like, oh, they can't see it, and then I was like, well, maybe I should find it. But I have a notebook of all of the notes and uh, emails and letters that youth and parents wow. and congregational members have written me over the years, and. When I'm in a really rough spot or I have to remember to pull myself up to really lean into that resilience, I take it out and I look at it and be like, yeah, I do. I can do great things. And look, these people think that I'm pretty great. So I'm going to lean into that. So my little pop up card says hope. And then when you open it, it says over fear, (laughs) over fear, overcome fear, behold wonder. And that's a quote by Richard Bach, maybe. Not by me. Nice. 
what one of uh, so my piece of kitsch is not really kitsch it's uh ink on my arm um because tattoo work is certainly not kitschy um it's not lazy art at all but it says omnia constant in latin uh, which is a phrase that means everything holds together. And, um, and I got that like as, um, after a year of like some significant work, uh, in my life, uh, on just different things. And, um, it reminded me that like, no matter what comes and no matter even what decisions you make, even in the face of change, all things do eventually hold together. Um, so like, it's a, just a powerful reminder to me and it's, uh, what's cool is that the ink is done in a Da Vinci font. Um, so talk about innovation, uh, and a leader of change, <laughs> kind of cool. Uh, so those are some kitsch, uh, friends change is so is kitsch fear also is, <laughs> um, and you can lead and be brave even when you have it. Uh, so we're looking forward to talking some more in the next episode. It's been good to chat with you all on screen again. Until next time. Oodaloo. Thanks for listening to Live, Learn, Repeat, a podcast hosted by Learning Forte's Stacey Williams-Duncan, Hannah Graham, Greg Klimovitz, Sarah Lawing, and Nia McKenney. Executive production of this podcast is by Greg Klimovitz. Our audio production team is Nia McKenney and Sarah Lawn. Help us grow our podcast learning community by leaving us a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and by sharing on your socials. If you'd like to learn more about Learning Forte and our various learning and leadership programs, consulting services, and digital platforms, check out our website at www.learningforte.com.